and you and you kind of like snuck into the paddock. You kind of told the security guy, "What are you gonna do? Stop me?" And he goes, "Go ahead." And the rest, and you tell the the public the rest of the story. Well, you actually did your homework quite well, eh? So it's not, not so many things to add. Yeah, in '98 there was um, was first time race on uh, Saxon Ring, and I was 13 years old. So um, my grandparents took me to watch the race. So we had, of course, grandstand tickets. But um, for the nature of the of the track, you could walk around and get really close to the paddock. So I actually waited in front of the paddock to collect uh, signatures and stuff and at a certain point uh, i asked the guy what i have to do to get to get in and after letting me wait for i don't know a couple of hours he said come on you get two hours and then you have to be out of there again and that's how it went no, no. Now, what attracted you to to racing to stick around? Like, I, I think initially, you know, you see motor, especially as a kid, you see motorcycles, and it's always that that oh, it's like oh, it's a motorcycle. But what 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 hits you in your heart? I know for me, or something, and it's something I can't explain. I think sometimes when you're in it, when you're in that environment, you can't explain to people outside the environment that love, that passion. So, what was it about motorcycles that attracted you and made you stay? What was it to make to make me stay? There are so many things after afterwards. I mean, something I really still like is if a race starts and you get in the first corner and get the bikes passing, you get goosebumps and you really feel the bikes in your complete body. So it's not just uh, it's something really special. But I think you have to live it. It's something it's difficult to to explain. Um, and it's basically the only thing which I had always in my life. I mean, I'm from Germany. I moved to Italy. I changed so many things. The only the only aspect which has always been there were was MotoGP actually. So um, for me, it's usual business, let's say. And, and, and that's why I say it's so hard for other people to me to under, to tell people about about that bike life because it's like I, I've always loved motorcycles. I know I know your grandma rode motorcycle, which I think is great. So and so it's like when you're around it, and I never could understand people who didn't fall in love with motorcycles. I mean, because I think I got my first motorcycle when I was like in uh, eight years old, by third grade, and I mean that love stayed with me. Granted, I you know things happened in my life, whatever, and I steered away from, but but it was always in me. You know, every time I see motorcycles. Oh, I like to ride again. And then luckily around 2006, when I moved to Indianapolis, I was reunited with that love and that love has stayed with me forever. So it's like, I understand it. That, but did your love for motorcycles come from your grandma because she rode? No, actually, my my dad used to watch motorcycle races and he was always very busy with work. So at a certain point, he told me, watch the races and tell me who won because he didn't have time to watch it. And I started just watching them like that, and then I fall in love with it. But uh, I come from a very small village, so when I was 16 and we were allowed to make driving license, uh, I got uh, my license, so in order to be independent. And my parents said, if you want a scooter, we buy it. If you want a motorcycle, you buy it. Don't worry, don't bother, I get it myself. So... um, but for example, today I don't have a motorcycle anymore because, you know, we are always in normal situations. We are always uh, traveling. So I wouldn't really have a lot of time to enjoy it. So now it's really just... It's kind of bittersweet. Really. Yeah, it is. But actually, I think it's a couple of years that I haven't been riding a, a proper 
a proper bike. I mean, yes, scooters, but it isn't really the same. So it's quite a long time I haven't been on track myself. I think it's kind of funny. It's like it's like it's like when you love pizza or whatever, and then you work at a pizza place and you never eat pizza again. That's what it's that's what it's like. You know what I mean? It's like oh, I love this stuff. I'll get a pizza. I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll work at a pizza place, and then it's like eh, I don't want no pizza. I'm gonna get a hamburger. And that's what yeah. it's like. You were around motorcycle, but you don't get a chance to ride them, so it's kind of bittersweet. Now, what other sports did you do growing up? What other sports did you do, or did you do any sports? Gymnastics for 15 years and athletics. Really? You did gymnastics? Yes, what, I did. What was, your, what was your best event? My best event? Uh, I, well, some regional, some stuff, but nothing really. I mean, it was more to, to get me do something in the afternoon, I think, for my parents, because I started when I was five, so they just dropped me off after school, and then I picked me up by, at night, so it was just something to keep me busy. Have somebody else babysit you, right? Like, we don't want her. You go do this, and hopefully that'll tire you out till you go home and go to bed. I think that is great. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so now you're in. So when did you, I think it was around, correct me if I'm wrong, around 18, 19, you got a job in the paddock, uh, being in hospitality. Was it Grid Girl first or hospitality? It, I actually did Grid Girl first and then hospitality, but yes. No, but you know what? I mean, and, and I know we smile and kind of snicker a little bit, but, and you said it best. You said sometimes people don't take grid girls seriously. You just think they're just there to look pretty. And some of them, that's their, that's their way in to the paddock. They, they, they want to uh, be around that business and, and race. So why not use your best asset? You know, you're, I mean, you're a beautiful girl, beautiful woman, by the way, beautiful woman. And so why not use that as a, a stepping stone to get in? And when they see that you're serious about it, you're not all, hey, whatever, look at me. You're, all, you're really about I love this business and so you got you took that opportunity and that's what it was an opportunity and I think people saw that who saw that you took that serious and they let you get a job inside uh, hospitality the truth is I I never saw it as uh, as starting point as opportunity to create something else it was just a possibility to be a, to be in an environment which I which I love to um, to to see what I usually only saw on television, to meet people, to have some fun, to, to experience this, uh, this exciting um, world, which is a little village at the end, because it's more or less 2,000, 2,500 people uh, traveling together. And it was more of getting to know these parts. So it wasn't really, okay, let's be a grid girl and then let's see if I can get uh, one day to manage it, never. Um, also because I started working there and went to university, so I always thought I would stay there uh, while I was in um, while I was at the university and also financing my studies. I, I did never think that I would still be there after 20 years, so um, was actually quite funny. Uh, things <laughs> one came to the other, and I I went in 2005. I went to the first uh, European race in Jerez, and I didn't have a job back then and team scott was uh, still looking for somebody to, to work in hospitality and hey that's me so now who who, who are you a grid girl for who did you umbrella for um many people i mean i think that the first time i did umbrella girl was in 1999 then i even did it when i i crashed my bike the day before and went with um how do you say um well, 
when you can't walk? Uh, it's crutches. Crutches? Uh, I went with crutches on the grid. <laughs> you had crutches on the grid holding an umbrella? Yes. Oh, my yes. God. That's dedication. So who, so who held your crutches? Were you on, on the grid? Who held no, your crutches? I, I, put them, I put them next to the, next to the bike <laughs> until I had to leave. But um, it was actually quite funny. I think this was 2000, 2001. So, so you're on the grid, hurt, holding an umbrella with your crutches on the ground. Yes. That's dedication. That's why you got a job. That's where you're at now, because nothing held you back. Okay, so so what ride is? Did any now, no names? You don't have to mention names. Did any did any riders ever try to to hit on you or try to talk you up a little bit? No names. You don't have to give me names. Yes, my. I mean that happens, but it's not. I think it's something normal. Um, also because you 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 have so much time together afterwards, you don't have to be riders who who you worked with. I mean, you know all the other guys as well, so it may happen. But well, I would well I would think, and this I mean, like I said, I'm I'm still the outside looking in, and so I would think that them being so focused on what they have to do, and I've been on the grid, and I you know, and I apologize right now because I'm like a kid at the you see me on the grid, I'm like the I'm like a kid in the candy store, and every time and you see me like oh my god, there's there, there's Dominica Gerter, and there's this, and and I'm running, I'm running around, and I I always want to apologize to you guys because that's who I am, because my love and my passion is MotoGP, and it really is, and so and talk talking to you right now and that's why I'm, I'm I'm just beyond I'm over the moon now I'm just nervous so so you know what I'm like on the grid so it's like I would think those guys are so focused that they wouldn't have time to go hey after this race you want to get some dinner I mean I mean is that yeah, how it's not they don't have to do it on the grid I mean they see me the whole week so oh <laughs> <It's> okay not- <laughs> No reason to do it just right before the race. So <laughs> I hope they are focused by the time. Actually, you would be. Um, oh, it's quite incredible what these guys are able to do when they are on the bike. I always think that they are, or they are very focused, but they have a lot of time to think about many things. It's it's incredible. It's something. This is a really mental sport. Also, if it doesn't seem to be. Okay. Now let's talk about your your ascension in the sport because, like you said, you went, you got, you know, didn't have a job. You were broke, basically, probably, you know, asking for money. And so, so you were, so you, so you got a job in hospitality. Okay, and then, like I said, you literally, you literally started from the bottom, and you worked your way up. You you washed dishes, hospitality, and then you went to you worked communications for a team, and then you were, uh, 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 I think, a personal manager or manager, uh, communications manager, and you gradually went up. Now every Every time you got a job or you got promoted or whatever, the, the, the part of you, was it nervous? Like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And you just walk like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do my best. And if it works out, great. How did, how did you look at that? No, it depends. Well, the first or after 2005, for four years, I worked for the same, for the same team. And I actually had a really good boss because every year he gave me a little bit more um, responsibilities so I got a bit more experience but he teached me a lot um, so I started from just working with the guests I started to do some coordination and taking them around so this was actually a part I really enjoyed afterwards I started to work as team coordinator which mm-hmm. did basically involve also logistics and everything which is organization I really like to do so I wasn't really worried about this part of my job while when I was asked in 2016 to take over, let's say, as team manager, 
I certainly asked myself uh, a lot of things and it wasn't like, okay, let's do it. For sure, I'm on it. <laughs> no, I also went to see uh, a few people in the paddock I, who know me since a lot of uh, years and um, who I have a very high opinion of. A high opinion of. So, and I asked them if they believe in me, if they thought that I'm up to the job. Um, but everybody I spoke to said, why not? What, what's your doubt? Why don't you think uh, that you're not able to do it? So um, at the end I accepted and after a lot of learning and continuous learning because at the end every day everybody can still improve. So, um, but I feel a lot more comfortable today than I did during my first races as team manager. I think I, in honest, I think that that right there is I mean, for anybody, for anybody to be team manager, like, OK, the, the onus falls on you. For, I mean, this is, they're gonna, the onus falls on you. I mean, when they win, it's the rider. Hey, great. Don't get me wrong. It's the team, but it's the rider. OK, but it's, but if the team's not if the team's struggling, they're going to look, OK, what's the team manager doing? What's going on here? I mean, so for that, you had to is do you feel that pressure or do you just go, I'm going to go by my business. If it works, it works. I'm going to yeah, get all this knowledge and wish for the best well of course you feel pressure i mean i believe everybody feels that it would be uh, would be to a lie to say no it's all always easy you don't think about what other, other people think of course uh, at a certain point you you care of course you know that not everything depends on you or there are some things you just have to deal with uh, for example regulation changes now due to this uh, um, special situation, so we are not allowed to make any any technical adjustments on the bike until the end of 2021, which for us, with a very new project and uh, being a small uh, manufacturer, is really, really difficult. So it's really something I'm sure we will struggle with over the next few months and which for sure will also slow down our, our improvement. And it's something I'm not really, really happy about, but well, we have to take what we get and basically roll with the changes. I, sorry, you roll with the changes. You got to deal with the changes. Well, that grow never comes in your comfort zone. So you have to get out of it to improve and get better. So it's just how it is. I mean, for sure, I put myself a lot under pressure and I also am very self-reflective and try to think what I can do better, but you just have to take what you get. You're very cerebral. I mean, um, uh, am, I, am I correct in that assumption that you're very cerebral? Like, I see you as somebody. No, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I see your uh, Instagram post and your, you know, the, the little Twitter that you did. But it's it's so, I just love the way you analyze the situation. And like you said, like what's going on in the world now. You said, you know what, I think we all need to realize some people aren't, you know, they're, we're different. And you need to see somebody else's perspective instead of your own. And and I and like I said, knowing you, I know you meant that from the bottom of your heart. You didn't just say that as just somebody say, hey, look at me. I'm trying to act like I'm, I'm a deep person. That's who you are. And I've always respected it about you. You're really cerebral in your approach and you really think things through. And I, and I I love that about you. So, like, when it comes to racing now, does that, does that help you, or sometimes that hamper you? Like in racing, does sometimes it help you to be to be more like, okay, we got to act on it now, or okay, let me think about this. Because in in the course of a race, things happen. Say uh, during a rain race, or like, oh my god, it's raining, what we're going to do, or this happens. So things happen on on like this. Does that help or hamper you with uh, with your uh, approach to racing, being very cerebral as you are? I think it does help. 
um, because if you are very focused on facts, then you leave the emotions a little bit beside and you are quicker and um, more um, strict or more severe when you take a decision. It's not that much uh, emotional, but really just based on, on facts. So I think it, it helps. Okay. Okay. Now you've been around a... Oh, <laughs> I think it does. I, I think it does you well. I think it does you very well. Now you've been around a paddock a while, so the people you've worked with, who's like the most naturally talented rider you've been around? Like naturally talented, you go wow, where you were just impressed just by their natural ability. I think Cal. Who Cal? Cal. Yeah. Well, of the from the guys I work with, I would say Cal. Yes. Okay. Because he has really amazing talent. And then I think by, um, in 2012, he was together with uh, Dovi and he was his teammate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think during the, the course of the season, he copied, let's say, some of the, um, the behaviors Andrea had, like always studying the, the sessions after his session, being more, um, um, let's say, more scheduled also for debriefs and stuff like this. And I think from this, this point on, he made a huge step forward because he had really a lot of talent and then putting in also somehow even more hard work because I'm not saying that he didn't work hard before, so don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but definitely being a bit more organized and strict with himself, he, he made a huge step. Okay, now from the outside looking in, somebody like me, when I hear you guys say, oh, this guy's natural talent, what is it that you look for you go, that guy right there, when you when you spot it? Because me, I just I think all those guys are talented. I mean, that's just me looking in. But from, but from the outside, like, what do you guys as professionals look at and go, wow. I mean, what is it that's talent? How can you, if I were explain to my producer here, Wyatt, I go, Wyatt, this guy's talented. And he goes, why is that guy talented? What would you say? Well, the time he needs to adapt to a bike, the time he needs to adapt uh, on a track, how if he's able to, to ride over the problem or also how much he needs to work to get to a certain level. As I said, I mean, there are uh, people who are really, really um, amazing professionals, but they have to, to, bit, to put this little bit more of hard work instead of a guy who's don't say it comes easy, but, and I mean, when you, when you see all of this together, how long it takes him to, to adapt, uh, how, how easy things go, or how quick is a certain part of improvement? And then you, you can take it from there. The last bit is hard work for everybody, but just on how quick he gets to a certain level. Okay, well, who's one of the hardest workers you've been around? Like, say, and not not to diminish their talent, but who's one of the hardest workers? Say, like, say, like they weren't as natural talent, but the but they worked so hard that they they went over their 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 talent. For sure, Brad. Bradley. Bradley, yeah, and also Andrea is a very very hard worker. Okay. Okay. And okay, and then something I, I thought was very interesting was uh, when. Uh, Cal was leaving your team 
And he said, oh, finally we get to be friends. Because what he said was, you know, sometimes you tell riders something they don't want to hear. Like, and so what is that? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so what is it that you tell them that they go, I don't want to hear this shit, but I, got, I guess I got to do it now. Uh, it's not about what I want to hear, what I don't want to hear. Basically, um, you have to make them do what they need to do. So, um, such as, give me an example. Such as appearance with fans, uh, signing sessions, um, photo shoots, whatever. So, a rider isn't really, really too happy if your if your day on track wasn't really enthusiastic and you finished, I don't know, twelve, thirteen and aren't really happy with, with your progress. You want to you wanna relax, you want to look at the data, you want to talk to your team, and then somebody says, no, come on, we have to go. We have three signing sessions, two um, interviews, and then you're not too happy to do that. So then- basically, to get them to do things they don't want at times, they are not really keen to talk to anybody. So. Plus, I got to leave the garage and see people like me going, hey, man, can I get an autograph? Can I get a picture? <laughs> and that's what, and that I, I'm sure like now I know what I'm like and I kind of I kind of like have a hands off approach. But now I get that now. So now there's more of a respect now for I may have always respect them. Get me wrong. But now I understand like they got to do all this and their time is so limited. I mean, they're probably so tired in a race weekend and then they yeah. got to do these. Yeah. It is sometimes they have a really, really, really tough schedule. So every five minutes are basically planned. So um, it is, I think a lot of people do not uh, realize and do not understand. And they think it's just uh, getting on the bike. And then afterwards, um, they are, let's say, free to relax and to take the time off. But actually, it's not it's not like that. Also, it's right. People waiting for autographs um, and it is the best thing which can happen to the guys and they are mostly really really happy to design but on the other hand at some in some situations people also have to understand maybe you just didn't really have a good race so you're quite upset with yourself pissed off so to come out of the garage and have a lot of people around you waiting for for signatures maybe it's not the perfect time and then especially if you sign one you can't just say yes to one and no to the other so if you stop then maybe it will take you five ten minutes and you can't you can't start again and you have to get uh, to an signing session to an interview and you know that every time you will run even later so sometimes it's really not that riders don't want to stop but they can't for a lot of reasons I mean, now that I see it, like now that I see how the pizza's made, now I I respect you guys so much more because on race weekends when I go, I get tired. It takes me about two or three days to decompress. I mean, from just being a fan. I mean, seriously, like I'm there all day. You know me, I'm a dork. I'm there when you guys get there and I leave around when you guys leave and I I get tired. So I have so much more respect and I want to thank you so much for in Silverstone, you let me 
coming to the garage and and for a test uh, for uh, for a session. I think it was I want to say it was uh, uh, FP two. I think I think I think. And I want to thank you for that. And just watching that, you have no idea how much that meant to me. And I was so I was so nervous because I know me. I know I'm clumsy. And I was like, hey, don't fall and trip <laughs> and knock and knock over the tires. Don't don't. It was Dominique and Stefano, and I didn't want to like okay. I know I know Dom real well. I've known Dom about as long as I've known uh, Bradley. So me and Dom are tight, but you know he's it's, it's all about the business. So he's waiting, and I know you had to do your job. So I tried to wait in the in the balance and try to be quiet, but my heart's going, oh my god, this is the greatest this is the greatest day ever. And I'm and I'm watching you, and people don't realize you know five languages. You're German, and you know five languages fluently, and you spoke to your team in fluent Italian, and I was just like, oh my god. And then you're going over the data, you're looking at the data, looking at your riders, and you ran out onto the uh, uh, you know, uh, pit wall okay. and had to look at, yeah, and you, I, I was so amazed at all that, and I was just in, in awe at what you do and how you do it, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to like just hug Dom or hug Stefano, like, oh man, that was really good, because I think, I think, <laughs> I think Stefano. I think Stefano. I think was on the front row. I think uh, in Silverstone, uh, he qualified really well. I remember that because everybody was really happy, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I, and I had to like ease out because I know you were going to talk and you were about bidding. But I wanted to thank you for that and seeing how you operate and the control. It it's it's a fine line between control. I know you have to be stern, but yet respectful. And and I love the story you told told how when you were going to get the job and uh, the guy was talking about tires. You said, "Well, you know, I think we, we're going to use up all our tires in this session, so maybe we should blah blah blah." And he smiled, going, "Okay, she knows what she's doing." Like, do you feel that added burden? Like, you have to know maybe a little bit more because I hate to say it, because you're a woman coming in, at, uh, in into this uh, business. Do you feel that way? I know you hate. Yeah, I know you. I know you hate go. I know you hate going down that road because I mean I know you want to just look. Just respect me for what I am as a team manager. Don't put the woman part in that. But you know it's something that has to be addressed. It's like it's like you know in anything in life. You know I hate going down the road like hey you know I'm black or African American and you know I I trust me I hate that. But sometimes but that is the elephant in the room and sometimes you have to address that. So do you feel that advert like you have to know maybe a little bit more or show them that hey I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you have probably to show that you know what you're talking about. That if you have to know more, I don't think so. But you have to underline sometimes that you know something. Um, I mean, but I think this is something which happens in so many different jobs. Always women need to work a little bit harder to be respected. I think this is something which isn't just something inside MotoGP. It's in so, so many, many other businesses as, as well. But yes, sometimes you, you feel it. But more with people who don't know you. Not that much inside the team. I think you can ask all of my, my guys. And I think no one of them would say that I do not know what I'm talking about and that I'm not a hard worker. So at least from, from this point of view, I think I've proven myself over the years that I no one would be dedicated to, to what I'm doing. No one would ever say, you don't know what you're talking about. And if they did, they wouldn't say it to your face. I mean, that's just the truth. You do. No one would ever say that. And if they Good did, they, they say it in a, car, in a car going about 40 miles an hour, like, you know what you're talking about? And they would just keep going because they, they, don't, they don't want to have those eyes on you. Because <laughs> trust me when I say this, and even though I was going to bring this up later, I have to bring it up now. And I remember I was always like, oh my gosh, this woman is beautiful. I remember that. But, you know, I, it, you know you're doing what you do and, and whatever, and you're racing and everything. 
and so and I was so nervous, but I but but we got to kind of you know, hey, how you doing? Hey, and I go, okay, she's nice. And it was uh, I think one of the last times you guys were in Indianapolis, and I remember this. It was the after party, and you looked beautiful. You had the black dress on. You looked beautiful, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to her. And I was talking, I was like, oh my god, this might go well. And you were drinking, and it was late, and I was like, oh my god. And I remember I stepped on your foot. And the look you gave me, I was like, no. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was talking, I was like, hey, maybe I have a chance. And I remember I st- and I knew I stepped on your foot because you know what you know the floor feels like and you know what feet feel like. I go, I just because you you had taken your high heels off, thinking you were safe. And I stepped on your foot and I couldn't even say anything else. I just walked away. I was like, well, you blew that one, BT. I remember that because I remember like, oh my gosh, this this might be Miss T. This might be Melena T. And then I stepped on your foot. And like your eyes went like this, and I go, okay, I'll just see you later. <laughs> and I left, and I drove home going, damn you. I felt like that Price is Right music. I don't know if you guys said Price is Right over there, but I felt like that, dun, 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 when they lose the, <laughs> the showcase show, and that's what it was. And I had to laugh at that, but I just had to bring that story up. I, I did a non sequitur, but I had to bring that story up because I thought that was a great. But no, you always know what you're doing. Now, okay, so let's, let's, let's talk to you about mentoring your riders. Like sometimes, like... What do you say to your riders? Say you're not getting the best out of your riders. You know they can do better, but they're not. Okay, like a story of you talked about Stefano Manzi when he first came to the team. And uh, I don't know behind the scenes, but I guess there was a little maybe friction or he was a different. Because I know he was different in Moto. When he was in Moto 3, he was a little bit of a wild child. I, I, I From just from what I gathered. And he was a little, but he had talent. He had raw talent. Correct me if I'm wrong, raw talent. But it needed to be corralled. And I think when he first came to the team, even I was like, really, Stefano Manzi? And you said, like, now you guys have a good relationship. Like, what was it in the beginning, how he was and how he is now? Like, how was it? And how, that, how did that relationship uh, cultivate into the, to the respectfulness that it has now? Well, at the end, you still have to, to think that um, these guys are really, really young when they start, uh, when they start riding in Moto3 and Moto2 as well. I mean, Stefano, when he came to the team, he was uh, 18, 17, 18. So he was really really young of course very talented also in during the, his red bull rookie cup season he was very quick super um, um super good so he expected a lot from himself um in then he had one year in moto 2 with uh, sky but he injured himself during the winter so everything didn't really go according to plan for him. When he joined forward, he was, as you said, he was a lot of raw talent, but um, needed to, to improve, especially his, uh, his way of working. And you could see that when he came back to the garage, his eyes were red and he had so many emotions inside and he didn't really know what to address first. So he basically just started to tell you that everything he felt but maybe also the, the thing he felt in the last corner was the first thing he told you because it just happened, but it wasn't uh, the, the biggest problem he may have had. So, of course, when you come back to the garage, you can't completely change the bike every time you go out. Go out. So you have to concentrate on basically one thing. Also, because if you make too many modifications altogether, then you will never know what worked or what didn't work. So you need to ride a to help you to explain what is his biggest issue and uh, where he has it, when it happened. So also how he uh, explains you his, um, his feelings on the, on the bike are very, very important. And Stefano 
for sure did improve a lot with uh, with this and also uh, mentally he he's grown he's grown a lot so uh, his approach is a lot more professional and um yeah how do you how do you talk to to him you just try to find the the right things to say i mean uh, in valencia last year he did uh, a great weekend with uh, finishing two sessions first it was the first time on the uh, front row in uh, in moto 2 and of course before before the start of the race he put a lot of pressure on himself so what do you have to do you have to try to to show him that however the race goes he's already proven a lot and you don't expect him to win the race because what he did is perfect the way it was and he just has to take his time because then then everything will we will arrive he could uh, have ended the the race in the gravel and everybody would have just said yeah another crash so yeah. it was better to take home a perfect fourth position and show that he has improved a lot over the year instead of maybe trying a little bit too hard and not taking home anything so um and then you just have to try i mean for him the situation was new because we said first time on front row so also tell him that now when he will be in the race everybody will be a bit more aggressive than during sessions so just say keep calm you know you have the pace just try to also talk to him share a little bit of uh, what you think how things will go and just yeah try to keep him calm in in Qatar instead which was um uh, funny i saw him really really also focused during uh, the fp1 session and then fp2 and fp3 i didn't quite feel the same it was like it wasn't the first race but i felt like the 10th gp and a little bit of frustration and i thought mm, strange so before qualifying, I, I spoke with him. I said, "Well, come on, where is this determination? Why did? Why don't you go out and show me that you can make the difference?" And when he came back to the garage, the very first thing he said, "Better like this." Did you see the determination now? I said, "Yes, thank you." <laughs> so these kind of things are actually it's, it's are actually cool. That's got to be so fulfilling for you. And I was, and that was, that was the next question: is that how do you like you know what you know you know what your bike can do, and you know and you know don't get me wrong, they can push it, but they you know what your bike can do. Like, how do you go pull the rider to the side and go, hey, listen, you're not really doing the best. You can do better than this. I don't know where your mind is at. I don't know what you're thinking of. I don't know what's going on. But you need to focus. I mean, how do you say that without you know turning them off? You know, like sometimes, and everybody takes things different. They might okay. Let's just say let's just play a game. Let's say I'm your rider. Let's say let's pretend I'm working for you. Say I'm your rider, okay? And you, you and this the bike is great. This bike is a championship bike. And for some reason, I finished 10th in FP2. And you're going, "He finished 10th and I come in the garage. What do you say to me?" And and, and you say something to me and I'm going to say it back to you and then you calm me down, okay? So I come in, boom, 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 boom. I take my helmet off, boom, throw it down. Man, this bike is crap. This bike is crap. Want to do your job, Melena? Doesn't really work like this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you gotta play along. You gotta play along. Yeah, but, um, okay, I come in and, and, and say say okay, um, the bike is crap. What's your problem? What the is prob the issue? The problem is I'm not getting drive out of the turn. Okay, the bike's not turning right. Okay. I'm not getting I'm not getting any speed through the middle of the turns. That's the problem. Why don't you guys fix it? I know Maybe what I try. can do. What? 
What? Is there a problem, Melinda? What? Excuse me? <laughs> okay. Um, we have it in all the corners. Uh, which corners is it most? Uh, which gears? All the gears are the same. So you, can, you don't have this kind of such an angry um, approach normally. Maybe, there's, there's, maybe that's why no, there's no black GP riders. Maybe. 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 <laughs> 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 Maybe no, 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 no. I'm just joking. No, no, I, no I'm all big. You're, you're too tall and too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the reason why you're the MotoGP rider. Are, are you calling me a fat ass? You calling me a fat ass? No, Come I on. just say that they have to be. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> younger, slimmer. So, so you just told me old and fat is what you basically called. You, you yes. said that in a very nice way. You call me old and fat. Well, what you, you just, just told me that our bike is crap. <laughs> And that's why you're there and I'm here. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Like I said, you do such a great job in what you do. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I have been, honestly, I just remember, you know, I was going last week. I go, who do I get for a guest? And I go, and you were always in the back of my mind. I had to get Bradley first because that's my boy. You know, Bradley, me and Brad like this. That's my son. And then I was like, and I remember we had that conversation and we were talking and I go, Oh my God, why not get in? I didn't know. I didn't know how to approach it because, you know, honestly, like I told my producer, I go, of all the people I've interviewed, this is the one that I was like, oh my God, I was nervous. Like I went to bed last night going, okay, I got my lane in the morning. And I got up and I did my yoga early and I, I got my workout in. I go, okay, I, I, this has got to go well. And then like you told me, like I'm ready. And I'm like, okay. And he wanted to go in a later time. I go, no, we got to do this now because man, she is all about that business, man. I don't think you know who you're talking to because like I said, I've seen you work and I've seen you operate and it's, and it, and the, and the funny thing about it was last year in Valencia at the, after the last race, I saw you at the, at the party. I go, what? You, I never Never see you there and I saw you there and you were smiling and I was like and it was so refreshing to see because I you know, like I said I know the pressure you're under and it was so great to see you there and I was just being crazy like I always am but it was so great to see you there like that and I just and I, I like I said I respect you so much and what you do and what would you like say to a woman who wants to uh, who wants to be where you're at say if some, somebody coming up like I had, I had a, a woman a Olympic athlete and she hit me up today and she goes, I can't wait for your interview. And she wants to get into motor racing, uh, you know, and basically kind of do what you do. And what advice would you offer women who wanted to be where you're at? Well, just keep trying. Um, I mean, you have to go for your for your dreams, this definitely. Uh, and what you said before, it's, it's really true. Um, probably I do not realize that there are people looking up to me because uh, a couple of months ago I did an interview with MotoGP.com yeah. because they, they have this year a project called uh, Women in Motorsport or mm -hmm. Women in MotoGP mm -hmm. and, and actually um, I also got a lot of positive feedback and a lot of people asking me or making like very nice, um, sending me very nice messages and it's actually true, we, we do not realize that um, that there are young girls looking up uh, to us and thinking that we are doing doing great for us. It's really just, uh, as you said, all all about doing our jobs and doing our our business. But you basically you really have to keep pushing if you if you want to get somewhere and then you need a, this kind of stubbornness to <laughs> to you to, stubborn to no you stubborn no. 
No, not you. <laughs> well, you can you can convince me with, with arguments. I think this is something I really I really think I have. Um, I have my point of view, but if. If you have good arguments, then I'm happy to listen and I'm open-minded <laughs> enough to, to, re, to understand when I'm wrong. Um, no, a woman yes. admits she's wrong. A woman admits she's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's, that's never sometimes. happened. No. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it happens. So. No, but um, yes, just keep fighting for your dreams. Um, it's a difficult environment and I think there's no, no reason to say it's not. Or it would be a fairy tale, but um, always fight for your dreams. Always try to get there. Try to study and learn as many things as possible, and just trying to start from uh, from smaller championships because uh, also riders do exactly the same. They start from national championships, maybe um, Europeans, Americans, whatever, and then get into world uh, the world championships. So basically, everybody else working there should do the same because. Um, more than a graduation from a university, I need people who know uh, what they are talking about. So they know also how many working hours, late nights, weekends, travelings you have to put in. And this is definitely something which is really, really important. So, But never give up on your own dreams. Okay, saying that, and like I said, I know how you work. What do you do for fun? I mean, I've seen your Instagram, and you know, and you know, what I love about you is you love food, you love a good meal, and I love that, and you love your wine. But like, when everything's, you know, when when you do have that little bit of time to just have fun, what do you do? Like, what's your to get away for the little bit you can get away? What do you love to do? Sports, just just trying to train, just. Yeah, actually, there is not much more. <laughs> yeah, eat, as you said, I like to cook, I like to bake, I like to, to train. So you can bake me some cookies? So you bake me cookies next time I see you? Well, next time you see me <laughs> at the track is difficult, but if you come to Italy, I, I bake cookies for you. Oh, so I guess I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a trip to Italy. Then you said cookies. I'll go. I'll go anywhere for some cookies. <laughs> no, we're no, well, we're, we're. It's many years you haven't been to Milan, right? No, I was in Milan two years ago for my birthday. I rented a bike and drove up to uh, to the Stelvio Pass for my birthday. Well, then you're late, so you have to come again. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, well, if that's an invite, honestly, you don't know when, if you said, come see me in Italy, I would be over there before this podcast ended. You have no idea how much I would be in Milan. You'd be like, where are you? And I'd be like, hello? And I'd be like, I'm here. And you're like, wait a minute. We were just on the phone. <laughs> we were just on the phone. All you had to do was say, come to Milan. And I would be there so quick with a backpack and be like, I'm here, what do I do? And then I'd be on the grid with an umbrella and people are like, is that an umbrella boy? I go, shh, I'm with my girl. And I, and I would hold my, <laughs> that's, what I would, that's what I would do for you because that's the level of respect and the love I have for you. But in, in, in all, and in all honesty, and I hate to ask this question, but it's there. And I think, and, and, I can, and it only comes to you because you're a woman, and I hate to say it, but it's the truth. It's like, You've achieved so much, and I, and I think you still love what you do, but, and only, and I think only women have this, this dilemma, and I heard this in an interview, you said, you know, it's like, you had a, a dream, you know, the original dream was, okay, go to university, get a job, you know, get married, and have kids, and now you're in this, and you're successful, 
And it can be done, but, and I think this is where, where women and men kind of differ, is like a man can say that and they can still be a team manager or whatever. And, you know, they can say, honey, take care of the kids while well, I'm going to go to Magello or whatever. So with you, do you feel like you have to stop and, and get out of this business to have a personal life, to have the kid and the husband that, if, if you want that, or I mean, I don't know if you want that or whatever, everybody's goal is different. I mean, I don't know if I ever want to get married unless it's you, so I don't know what I want to do. So like for you, that was pretty good, wasn't it? So like, so for you, like, it, it, will it be a dilemma or do, or do you feel like, you know, I kind of want this personal life now? And how do you, and how do you, uh, uh, you know, with the balance? It's a tricky question. I know. Um, well, I actually feel that in case I would want a family, then I, I need to stop because I wouldn't really want to just get a child and then drop it to somebody. I'm not judging and saying that whoever is having a child and uh, afterwards continues his job and continues traveling and um, does something wrong. I'm just saying that for me, it wouldn't probably be, be an option. Um, my ex-boyfriend used to say that uh, when he first came to the races that now he understood why I didn't want to get a family immediately because he said, having the riders, I already have a lot of children. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they are, they can make it. Yes. There is a small part of, um, of truth in that, that actually. So, um, however, at the moment I, <laughs> so many things didn't go according to, to what I uh, thought when I was, uh, that's life. Small girl. So at the, at the moment, yeah, life is what happens while you're making other plans. Right. And that's be, it's be, it's the beauty of this is that, you know, you never, I never saw myself living in Indianapolis, no offense to, I never saw myself living here. I saw myself as being in LA and, you know, being a movie star and, you know, and this and that. And then I, you know, I end up here and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy, but life happens and, and you got to deal with life as you find it. And you still strive to be, improve yourself every day and to constantly get better. But it's, it's amazing how the road that life leads you down. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I wish you the best. Of course I wish you the best and like you said all you got to do is personal message me and say hey i really would like you in milan right now and i would go there and i i have a couple i think i got a couple years left i could still be a male supermodel and i could go there <laughs> and i do a couple i do a couple runway shows and then and when you come back from say magello and you go oh how was how was the race uh stefano did okay but he could have got a podium oh really and i would do this and i'd do one of these and i and i'd cook and i'd make you like a, a beyond meat burger you know because i'm sure you're sick of pasta and i'd make you a beyond meat burger and then I'd make you laugh, and then we just go to sleep after a bottle of wine. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it's an incredible, good, um, good offer. Okay, so before okay, before we leave and just have fun, before we leave and just have fun, okay, so let's just say, let's just say a guy really, really knew your lifestyle, whatever, but he was like, okay, but he was like me from the outside looking in, he goes, wow, I really want to approach this woman and ask her out. What would a man have to do to like say, I really want to ask you out? He, he understood what you did and he saw it, he saw how everything was, but he still wanted to go, man, that's the woman I really want to go out with. How would he approach you and what does he have to have? What qualities does a man have to have to, for you to go, okay, I mean, like if you had to construct the perfect man, like weird science, you'd construct a perfect man. If, if you could, I mean, uh, and take me out of the equation, but if you want to include it, it's great. But if you had to construct the perfect man, how, how would you do it? How would you do it? He has to be spontaneous. He has to make me laugh. He uh, needs to be strong because, I mean, 
I have very often to make decisions. So I'm just also really happy that when I'm coming back home, I don't have to decide anything. I would actually really like that. So uh, I'm three for three. I'm three for three. Okay, keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what can I say now? Um, he has to like sport. He has to like motorcycles. And I'm four for four. Four for four. <laughs> I'm four for four. It's looking good for me. Wyatt, meet Miss T. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just... Um, and chemistry too, probably, right? I mean, you can have all those qualities, but you don't have chemistry, then it's like, ah, you know? Of course. Uh, well, that For me, the, the head is uh, the most important thing. So it's just, I, I yes. really have to admire him. I have to think that he is a, a good person. Uh, honest, should be honest, probably. So yeah, that's it. Ah, oh, the last one. The last one got me. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Woo, I was almost, almost had, almost had the van packed. I was, I had my bags packed, but almost there. Man, I tell you, this, this went. I, I, I like I said, and I mean it from bottom of my heart. I joke around a lot, but I was more nervous for this interview than any other interview ever because I, 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 really, really. Now, why were you nervous? Why were you nervous? Why were you nervous? Because. Um, from a usual interview, you know what to expect. They ask you about bike performance, about your expectations for the championship, uh, probably some questions about being a woman. Yeah. But um, not that much on how you think Mr. Wright is. Or <laughs> well, I gotta make like it. it so. I, I gotta make it fun. You know, I want to make it fun, but respectful also, because I know that you know, if somebody from the outside looks in, I don't want you know, I still want you to be able to go out to the paddock and they go, "Hey, I saw the interview with with the guy, and I thought it was fun." I didn't want you know, I, I I realize what you have to do, and sometimes people don't see the fun in it and they take it too serious, and then I know you have to go back in that environment, and I didn't want you having to explain yourself with eat everything. You know what I mean? I want it to be fun. That's what I want more than anything. I wanted to be fun. And don't get me wrong, I wanted to be stuff I didn't know about the motorcycles and the riders and what you look for and how you mentor a rider. But I also wanted to know, like, you know, the other things you do. Like, I didn't know you did gymnastics. I didn't know you, you know what I mean? Your parents dropped you off for half a day and go, go do some somersaults, you know what I mean? And come back and get, I didn't know that. So that's what I wanted to know. And I wanted to more, know more about you. And, and like I said, you've never disappointed. I, I love everything like I said, the mental what you do, how you care about people and your cerebral approach. And I just, you know, it's like sometimes, sometimes from the, when you get to know somebody from the outside looking in, you go, oh, okay. They weren't what you expected. And I, I honestly say you were even more. You were even more than I expected. You're, what you see is what you get, and, and it's even better. And I mean it from the bottom of my head, it's even better. So I appreciate your time. I know your time is very valuable, and I'm sure it's coming up time to eat in Italy right now, in Milan. I'm sure it is. So I, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so, don't worry. So one day, one day, I'll make you some German pancakes, and then, you know, maybe bake some cookies, and we'll go to the Stevio Pass. So we'll maybe rent some bicycles and ride up to the Stevio Pass, and then we'll get a motorcycle, and we'll ride to the Stevio Pass. I think the motorcycle is better for the stairs. <laughs> okay, I said I like to train, but... <laughs> well, that's, well that, that's what I'm doing now. Like I said, if you know me, you know me. I'm a dork-like. Dork so ever since I started getting into GP around 2006, I started bicycling because GP riders bicycle. That's the only reason I cycle. Whatever GP riders do, I do. So I start cycling. I lost weight. I literally have done everything GP riders do because that's how I live my life. I'm a Gemini. My birthday was three days ago. Thanks for the birthday. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. And I'm a GP rider. And that's what I do. And I mean it by the heart. Thank you so much. So that's what I do. I train, I train like a GP rider and I try to be like one. So yeah. So by, right now you're my team boss. So thank you so much, team boss, for your time. And I appreciate so you. I will send you your schedule with the things you have to do. <laughs>
Please do. I please do. I would love it. And again, Maya, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. And I, they had MB Augusta has the most beautiful bike on the grid, bar none. I mean, if the most beautiful bike on the grid and one of the most beautiful people and team managers on the grid, and that is you. And thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me back in your uh, garage and seeing how you work, and I appreciate that. I don't know about this year, but I look forward to seeing you in person again. It'll be my pleasure. So thank you so much for this. Yes, and um, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for making me laugh. You know, it's not very easy. (laughs) I know. I I told my producer, I said, man, this is the one person I really can't make laugh. She'll just kind of, and that's it. So yeah, so I feel feel that 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 is a victory for me. So thank you so much again. I appreciate you. Thank you. Talk Have soon. a great night. Uh-huh. Thank you. you uh-huh. All right. That was Tales from a Gemini with, with my, like I said, one of the most wonderful people in the world that I respect. And that's Milena Corner. Uh, go to nbagustafordracing.com and check them out. This is BT with Tales from the Gemini. I hope you enjoyed it. Drop a comment. Drop a line. Uh, tell me if you laugh or what I did wrong, what I did right. Um, that's it. Thank you guys so much. You know the word like I always use. Bye.